You should know what that means already. That's the best kind of notification. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the e-commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling succulents or stilettos, Spotify, uh, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. What's incredible to me personally, Charlotte, about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify is there to empower you with the confidence and control to revolutionize your business and take it to the next level. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash truefaith or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash truefaith to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash truefaith. It's the True Faith. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have been beaten by two goals to nil by Arsenal at St James's Park, and what turned out to be a very, very disappointing afternoon for Newcastle United. Today, I'm joined in studio immediately after the game by Johnny Greenwood, Cy Campbell, and Pete Davy, and we're going to talk about what happened and why. Quick advertisement from me to kick off. We're on Patreon, three to eight pounds a month. Come and join us as we sort through this defeat this week and build up to a simply huge game at Leeds United next Saturday. Sai, I watched the game relatively close to you in the ground. You're not too disheartened. Tell us why. Um, I thought we gave a good account of ourselves. I think that was an elite fixture, you know, a fixture between two top three teams, as I would describe it. You know, over the years, we've watched Chelsea beat Man City, Man City beat Chelsea, Arsenal beat Man City, Man City beat Arsenal. We're in that conversation now and we had a big game against Arsenal and we could have on a better day taken our chances and won that game. I don't think we've played badly. I think Arsenal have taken their chances. I think we haven't. And I think that the the way to look at that game is that we were part of an elite fixture and it didn't go our way today. And I think that's the best way to look at it. We'll learn from it. We'll look at the mistakes we made for the for the goals they scored. We'll look at why we didn't finish some of our chances. But I'm not at all disheartened by that. And you know me, I'm quite negative after defeats normally, but I was quite pleased with the way we put our, the way we approached this fixture, the way we came out of it, and I think I think we can hold our heads high and say, you know, we gave Arsenal a game. They will finish second in this league this season, and that's not a bad result to to lose 2-0, but also feel like you probably on a better day would have beat them. I slightly disagree. Mm. Um, I, don't like talk- <laughs> <laughs> I don't like talking about defeats. No one does, and we're not used to it. We're not used to it. It just shows how good Newcastle and I have been at home. I don't think we gave ourselves a, a, a good account of ourselves up to a point. I felt that we were good for the first 15, 20 minutes, actually until Arsenal scored the first goal. But I just felt after that it was very flat. And we had a couple of chances in the second half, but I didn't really think, I don't think Arsenal felt really under pressure today. In, in my opinion, I think the midfield completely bossed it. I know we're not going too much in depth into that, but I just felt it was pretty comfortable for Arsenal. I think they'll be coming off there thinking, yeah, that was all right. That wasn't too bad. But I think it just shows that 
how far we've come that we're disappointed that we're disappointed as a fan base that I don't think we actually gave Arsenal our hundred percent best in terms of Bruno being at his best, Joe Linton being at his best, Isaac at his best, Callum Wilson was was anonymous for most of the game today, and that just shows that we're we're really disappointed. But it was an opportunity to really showcase ourselves against the big boys, and I just felt we played the occasion, not the game. Especially after the penalty, penalty appeal and when Arsenal went one up, I felt we just played the occasion, and I just felt that the game was just—I wouldn't say it was a bit too much for us, but it wasn't that far off. Um, I've got to be honest. I thought we were the, the better team uh, up until the penalty. I thought we were the team that looked more, more likely to score. Also had some nice touches, um, but you would expect that from a team that's second in the league. Um, however, I once the penalty was taken, I think we played into Arsenal's hands. They came here today and got exactly what they wanted. Um, first of all, um, they got the fans riled up. They wound the fans up early on with the, the, the time wasting, with the going down, with, um, you know, the, the the referee, you know, allowing them to take longer with throw-ins and all the other things that we've been accused of earlier on in the season. Um, they, they got us wound up. The second thing was that as soon as um, they got the first goal, um, that was it. Our, our, our heads was gone. Um, and at that point, they knew they could play they could play as in and around different different pockets of the uh, of the pitch, in particular the midfield. I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but I just think that they got the better of us. Uh, they did exactly what they needed to do. And I I have to say, um, there are, there are some one or two things that did concern me about about our performances for one or two players. But overall, what I will say is that um, today it shows you what it is to play at an elite level. And it showed today in our performances that there are certain players that are just not at that level. Had a good season, played well at times, but are just not at the level to play that type of football today. It's an interesting conversation and, and one that will develop, particularly to, you know in the summer, like you know Pete's talking about improvements in the, in the elite level. So I'm, I'm kind of in the middle and I understand all points of the, the conversation. The main thing I want to concentrate on is I'm thinking about this game and I'm thinking about Liverpool at home. Now, easy for me to say, but take out the 10 men against Liverpool at home because actually the 10 men kind of hide how dominant Newcastle were for large parts of that game. Think of the chances missed across the two games. Think about, you know, I'm, I'm talking about Fabian Shaw missing free headers in both games, hits the bar, the bar against Liverpool. Ramsdale pulls out a very good save today, but Fabian Cher should, should score. I'm thinking about Callum Wilson, one-on-one against Allison. I'm thinking about Isak today, free header, front post should score. I'm thinking about Jacob Murphy today. Th- against top quality opposition like this, missed chances cannot be the story of the fixture. Because if it is, we get beat. It's not like when you play Leeds at home and miss chances or the story of the fixture, you take a point. It's not like Southampton last week where you miss a lot of chances, but you score three because you have so many chances that there's enough to, to get the three points. And I suppose we aren't doing ourselves justice across these two fixtures with the fact that we are very, very good footballers and we score lots of goals. But to miss those chances today is very disappointing. Sigh first and Johnny. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I think you're right. But you've got to remember, we've only been good for like 16 months or whatever it's been. So... Well, got, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah, yeah. the bad time side. <laughs> it's it, it's it, yeah yeah. I agree. I agree. You have to get better in these games, and I hope we learn from it. But um, you know, if we if we're 
looking at it pragmatically, two elite fixtures at home to Arsenal and, and Liverpool, both, like you say, you could argue that we had the better chances of, of the games and should have scored, you know, we've hit the post twice and the bar today or something like that. Um, I think you could argue that on another day that they, they go in and you can you can start to analyse it and say, why are we not putting them away in these big games? These are crucial games that next season we might be talking about that, that you know, these games matter for, for title winning reasons or for, you know, more important. But um, I think you've got us we've got such a small cross-section of elite fixtures that Newcastle have been involved in that you can't overanalyze the fact that we've lost this one. You can't you can't get too worried about the fact that we've missed our chances today. We've missed our chances against Liverpool. We missed chances against um, against Man United away. We missed chances against against other big teams. You know, there are there are times, but I think we're just learning how to be part of these fixtures. And, and I, I I maintain what I said just before that I am not disheartened by the way we've approached any of these fixtures, any of these big games. Um, you know, we've been disappointed in quite a few games this season, and there's been times when you might ask questions about selections, and we might go on to that, but. I just think we we gave a good account of ourselves. We, you know, we, we've we've hit posts, and you might say, uh, you might argue that those chances would go in against lesser oppositions, but they might not. They might not. And like you say, the only reason that we don't talk about that against the likes of Southampton or the likes against Brentford, etc., is because we just go on and score four or five goals anyway. Not going to happen against Arsenal. So if you don't take your chances, you lose the game, and we know that. We we learn that quite quickly, hopefully. But I, I'm okay with it. I honestly don't think it's too much to look into there with a couple of big games where we've kind of dropped the ball a bit in terms of putting those chances away, we've just been unlucky. I think we've been unlucky. I don't think we were. I don't <laughs> think we were unlucky today because Arsenal were the better team. And I take your point, Alex, about the fact that we had chances over the Liverpool game and the Arsenal game. But if we're just solely focusing on this Arsenal game, if it wasn't for Nick Pope, we would have been 3 or 4 nil down at half-time. Let's be honest, that big that save for Martin Odegaard just before half-time was a huge save. There was a couple of chances before that our defence was ripped apart by Arsenal's counter-attack at times today. And I think that's a that's a big concern when you're playing against the big boys. If you make mistakes, especially, especially in midfield, which we, I thought we were really poor at times with the, in possession, really, really poor, just didn't make the right the right decisions. And Arsenal just cherry-picking the ball in certain parts of the game. But that's the biggest concern for me is that we, we just were so poor in possession. And Nick, Nick Pope's had to make two really good saves, particularly in the first half. And... Again, we, we we talk about these chances and maybe in the second half, but we could be three, like I say, three or four nil down, and I think that is a slight concern. But we will. I, I do take size point to an extent that we will learn from this, and I do think that next season, when we play the likes of your Arsenal's, your Manchester City's, and Liverpool's, we might not win games, might not win them all, but we'll learn from it. And we'll go. We're not going to do what we did there. We're not going to do what we did there. And I think obviously we'll, we'll have better personnel in certain positions as well. But I think we missed. I think we badly missed Sean Longstaff today. I don't know if anyone agrees or disagrees with that, but I, like that, which is just a crazy statement for me to say after, from maybe twelve months ago. But we 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 badly missed him in our midfield today. I just wanted to add with regards to um, the chances missed. Um, I, I I do agree with, with what Johnny said. I, I don't think it's a it, for me it's a non-factor because equally Arsenal could have been three 0 up at half time. Um, and like you said, Johnny um, Pope made some very very good saves to keep us in the game. Um, if you want me to kind of delve into where it went wrong, I don't know if you want me to, um, but what I will say is um, that midfield three uh, should not and cannot play together. Uh, and I've thought it for a while now. They, they, they can't. Um, you, you're right in what you're saying about Longstaff being missing. Um, he is a big miss for us. 
uh, because he's the only one that, he, that can do what he does in that midfield. You look at all of our central midfielders, he's the only one that can do that job. And that's why he's become crucial to the way in which this team plays. And it was why I was really gutted that he didn't make today. Uh, we needed him um, because there are... Uh, I'll, I'll throw one player out there and we absolutely love him. Uh, and it's Bruno Gomerez. I thought that was probably one of his worst games he's played for Newcastle today. Mm. Um, because he was, um, time and time again, he was looking for two, three, four touches on the board. In, in an elite level football, you're not going to get that. Uh, and that for me today was a real, for him, it should be a real learning curve. And it was a learning curve for me watching him play like that because you can't have him as your defensive midfielder. Because if he loses the ball like he does, again against Southampton, he did the same for the, for the goal in which they scored. He causes problems and it creates problems in the team, which is why you need him further forward. Because if he does that, you need a ball breaker in that defensive line that's going to win the ball. Um, and we don't have that today. Um, I'll throw in, and it makes me seem really negative, but I'm not. I'm just putting out, I'm just showing flaws that I noticed in our team in which we need to grow and develop with. Um, and it's uh, and we've talked about it before, um, Joe Willock. Um, fantastic attacking um, outlet, can get forward, run at players. But even Eddie Howe admitted his defensive work needs improvement, and it does. Um, and the amount of times where he is more reactive than proactive with the ball uh, in a 50-50 spot um, caused us a lot of problems in, in that game. And I have to then give a positive shout-out for Joe Linton because he was putting out fires all over the place. He was trying to undo a lot of the a lot of the mistakes that Bruno and Willett were creating in that midfield. Um, so big, massive shout-out for Joe Linton because I thought he played really, really well today and did more than what he actually needed to do in that midfield. He was like two men. We'll, we'll get right into that midfield. I'm pleased he brought it up, Pete. We'll do that in part two. I just want to finish part one by talking about the context of the performance and the defeat. And just to throw some stats out, because I came into this podcast thinking I might be the slightly negative one. Uh, not negative, positive. We're, we're having conversations about football. They're the wrong words to use. But, you know, let, let's look at some stats for today. And we all agree Arsenal are a very good team. They're now 16 points clear of Newcastle United. That, that difference isn't, you know, the league table doesn't lie in that respect. Uh, XG, Newcastle 1.41, Arsenal 1.38. Uh, possession, 54 46 in Newcastle's favour. Total shots, Newcastle outshot Arsenal 12 to 10. Shots on target, 5v6. Uh, Clear-cut chances according to Sky Sports, two apiece. Um, you were right about Nick Pope. Nick Pope had a very, very good game today, but also Aaron Ramsdale makes two huge saves from Joe Willock and from Fabian Shaw, which maybe are equal at least to the, the, the saves Nick Pope made. Uh, Newcastle also hit the bar, the, uh, the post twice. Arsenal clipped the top of the bar and actually from my seat ever think that was going in. I thought both of Newcastle's uh, uh, chances when they hit the post were going to hit the back of the net. So perhaps whilst we are going to get into what went wrong and what went right, part two of the show, just kind of to throw it back to Pete and Johnny who are both on this kind of side of the fence about Arsenal being, you know, kind of superior for most of the game, those stats there suggest in fact it was a very very even game is that not what you saw I'll start with you Pete first um, no I, I, I thought Arsenal if you look at stats yes stats look like that but for me um, I observe football not just based on stats I, I observe it from what I've seen and from what I was watching in the stadium today I looked at how much more intelligent 
Arsenal were about how they went about their business. Um, we were we were ridiculed for doing it at the Emirates, but they came and did exactly what they needed to do um, today against Newcastle. So they riled up the fans, they riled up the players, they were causing arguments to create moments where players like Joe Linton and Willock and, and Callum Wilson were thrown off their game. They, uh, they, they came to disrupt because it was the only thing that they could do. And actually, I take that as a positive. I take that as a positive that they had to do that in order to get the three points and get out of St. James's Park with something. But sometimes football at the top level is not won on quality of football or techniques or stats or possession. Sometimes it's about the dark arts of football. And we've learned that this season and we've done it really, really well. But in the critical moments where you need to get a victory, Arsenal came here and did exactly that. And actually, it shows a lot about where Arsenal have grown, not, not just us in terms of a team, because I didn't think that Arsenal had that in them. But they showed me a different side to themselves today. And actually, what it did show for us is a little bit of naivety in that we fell for it. So we do it to other teams, but we fell for it when it's been done, to, done for us. And that's something at the top table, you, you have to learn. All the top teams do it. We're, you know, Arsenal are not the only ones. And it's something, if we're going to go and be fighting for these titles and these trophies, and we're going to be in cup finals in years to come, this is what we're going to have to learn. And we're going to have to manage that. And we're going to have to play beyond that and not get riled up. So it was a learning lesson today. Look, stats are important. Of course they are. But the most important stat was Newcastle United nil Arsenal too. That was the most important stat today. Look, I, I, I'll, I take the, the, the Sky Sports stats, if you like. I, I understand you know, big chances at XG and all that X, Y, and Z, but <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal took the chances. <laughs> Arsenal took the chances. And look, the second goal is a, a bit unfortunate. Fabian Cher, I've not had the benefit of seeing that back again, but I just, I just thought that I, 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 I agree with, I agree with Peter. I just think we, we were just, I, we just weren't as intelligent as Arsenal today in particular midfield. Like how many mistakes did Jorginho make today? How many mistakes did Erdegaard make, make today? Not many. Bruno probably made more than both of them combined today. I just think we just need to reevaluate it in 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 the big games, and then you can look at the stats at the end of the season. I think, and Eddie Howe will do, of course, he will do. He's very meticulous in the, in terms of how he prepare, prepares for games. And I think when he looks back against the big boys, I think he'll go. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And again, we talked about what it's going to be like in the summer. We may have a player that can be that difference maker in the big games. You know, I, I, that's what we were missing. That's what we were missing today. But. If, if we were just in, as intelligent as Arsenal, we wouldn't be talking about a 2-0 defeat, but we are because we, we made too many errors. Very interesting. We're going to get into, get into what happened and why in particular in part two of the show. Some adverts for you now. If you want to listen to this pod without the adverts and also it's released a little bit quicker, come and join us on Patreon for just £3 a month for ad-free True Faith podcast. I also have to say we have a live podcast at the end of the season, the day after we hopefully defeat Chelsea and cement our place in third place in the Premier League is at the Stand Comedy Club in the heart of Newcastle upon Tyne. Come and see us. Tickets are £15 plus a small booking fee. Uh, you'll see me in Charlotte, and we're joined by a host of Northeast journalists and friends of true faith, including Mark Douglas, George Colkin, Craig Hope, Keith Downey, and Luke Edwards. Come and join us. It should be a class night where we celebrate a great season. Uh, I'll put a link into the description of this podcast where you can buy tickets. We've already sold well over half the tickets already and it's still three weeks away, so get your tickets quickly. Okay, back with part two of the show after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Sai, uh, you know, we've kind of talked about the, the merits of the performance. What do you think happened today, particularly in midfield? Uh, would Newcastle simply outclassed by a better opponent or was there a little bit more to it than that? Yeah, I think I think we were. I think uh, Johnny talked about that just before the break there. I think Erdegaard and um, not Jorginho. Jorginho in particular were, were, were excellent today and they didn't, they didn't put a foot wrong. And, and if your midfield doesn't put a foot wrong and the other midfield does put a foot wrong, it makes a massive difference. So, uh, Pete, you talked about uh, Joe Linton there. I thought he did have a decent game, but the stuff he was doing, he was doing deep in our half. He was doing stuff in front of our box. He, he's, still, he's still breaking up the play. He's still doing the job we expect him to do. But when Sean Longstaff's on the team, and the reason I want to talk about the midfield is Sean Longstaff because I always want to talk about <laughs> Sean Longstaff. But... Um, <laughs> Joe Linton winning balls 30 yards outside of our goal isn't any good to us because I don't think he's good enough to convert that into anything positive. Um, Joe Linton winning balls 50 yards from goal in their half is is a different animal and it's what we did so well in, in recent weeks when, when, when Longstaff was playing. and when Longstaff and Bruno seem to have a really good connection in terms of Longstaff does, does all the leg work and donkey work. You might win the odd ball here, but if between them, they, they can pass the ball off. They know where to find each other. Um, Today, I think you found Joe Linton too deep. I think you found Bruno too deep. I think you found us doing all the good stuff we do as a midfield 20 yards too far in our own half. So I, I just think that we weren't... The pressing wasn't there for me. And I think I think um, Longstaff gives you that. I think Longstaff gives you those extra legs you need to, as a team, press an opposition. And instead, we were being pressed quite well. And we, we did work ourselves out. I think, I think we did okay. I really think we did okay. I think Joe Linton and Bruno came about all right, but... 
And then Bruno is being asked to do a lot on the ball, 30 yards from goal, and he's finding passes and occasionally he's given the ball away. And I agree with the assessment that he had one of his worst games because he was given the ball away a lot, but he wasn't really given much to, to, to go with. He was, he was picking up the ball and doing the best he could. I also think the ref, we need to come back to the ref because fuck me, he did not give us anything again. And in a game like that one, it's so so crucial that the odd foul on, on your midfielder, you need the ref to give you a bit of a break, you give a bit of leeway, you give us nothing today. I don't think he issued one yellow card. Did he book anyone? Dan Byrne, Dan, Dan Byrne, Byrne got booked. Yeah. But otherwise, no yellow cards. Like, it just, it didn't help. So yeah, I, I want to give our midfield a bit of a pass, but I think we missed Sean Longstaff so much in terms of the extra 200, 300 yards he'll give you per 10 minutes in terms of covering that ground letting Joe Linton do what he does 10 yards further at pitch, letting Bruno pick up the ball where he's got a midfielder close to him who's doing all that other stuff. And also Willick, I think Willick suffers a bit from having to play 10 yards further back. If he's if he's pressing and, and doing what he does 10 yards closer to their goal, I think he's way more of a threat than he was today. So yeah, I just think we miss Longstaff a lot. And it's weird because Longstaff isn't, he's not a world-class footballer. But what he offers us as a team at the minute is what we need and, and we might be able to find something better than that in the summer. I don't know, but we miss him so much when when we when we doesn't play and it's it's so obvious to the naked eye that, that we need a midfielder that does what he does when he's not playing. Every team has a, a every team at the top has a Sean Longstaff. Someone can come in and do the dirty work that nobody really talks about as a as a star performer, but makes a massive difference to a team. Um, you can go for all the top teams in Premier League history and they've all got one. Um, and Sean Longstaff has made himself that sort of player. But I agree with everything you've said, Si. I can't argue that. And that was my point, is that Joe Linton then had to play 10, 20 yards deeper. Um, Joe Willick had to play 10, 20 yards deeper. Why? It's because in the first half, particularly when we were pressing just before the penalty, you saw that you had Joe Willick bombing forward. You had Joe Linton bombing forward. You had Bruno bombing forward. But as quickly as they got forward, Arsenal were quicker in the counter-attack. Mm. And when you saw, and it, it, you can watch it back and you'll see it, it, it the recovery runs from from Bruno Gomez were not good enough. Um, yeah. And that's not me, you know, being ultra negative. They just weren't. Sitting right on the halfway line, you could see it. His recovery runs weren't good enough. But he had players running past him. Arsenal players, I mean, time and time mm. again. Which is why Joe Linton had to then play that position. Because he had the pace and the power to be able to come in and retrieve the ball in those situations. And sometimes players have to do that job for the team. He could see early on that Bruno was struggling. I don't know whether it was his ankle or whether he just wasn't comfortable with the mm. position. But he was getting overrun time and time again, which is why we had to change our game. Um, it, the same thing happened in Southampton. We got overrun in that midfield and we had to change something up. Um, and unfortunately, um, Bruno Gomez was, was, the, was the one that was suffering most. Um, and in that situation, if you've got Sean Longstaff there, he mops up a lot of those, those counter-attacks and he stops a lot of those things from happening, which is why it's, it's absolutely critical that in the summer we have an alternative or a better option to Sean Longstaff that comes in. It's, for me today, it's highlighted that that is a priority need for us to sign in the summer because we cannot go into a season, potentially with Premier League, Champions League and two Cups, with only Sean Longstaff that can do that role for the team. It's just not enough. I want to put something out to all of you and everyone listening about how today in the team selection, I was shocked pre-game. I was shocked to see 
Isak and Wilson start, and we all know what happened against Southampton. We all know what happened against Everton when these guys have been on the pitch together, and Brentford as well. Very good things have happened for Newcastle United. So I, I understand it, but I was still shocked because, first of all, the midfield was a bit strange in that Joe Linton played right of midfield. And to the best of my knowledge, that's the first time we've done that this season. So for the first time in the season, Joe Linton has, is playing, albeit, you know, he's a, I think he's a right-footed player, so it's not the end of the world, but he's playing a position that he's never played for Newcastle before. Then you've got Alexander Isak, who is Newcastle's best centre-forward. And I think, despite Callum Wilson's record-breaking April, no one has been clamouring for Wilson to start over Isak, despite Wilson's goal-scoring form. So Newcastle's best centre-forward is played out of position. And then also, if you include Isak and Wilson together, this is the first time they've ever started a Premier League game together. And I'm not against any of those things in principle. In fact, I would quite like to see them. I haven't been advocating for them I just thought pre-game, is Arsenal at home in what is Arsenal's biggest game of the season? Now, Arsenal got a lot of big games because they're chasing the league title. But this is Arsenal's biggest game of the season because of the state of play of the league and also because they had such a bad time here last year. A little bit of history from January. Is Was that the right fixture to make these very, very big changes? And I'm also going to say his hand was forced somewhat with the absence of Longstaff. It's not just uh, Longstaff's absence, it's the sale of Shelby, it's not replacing Shelby. Newcastle had a good January because they nearly broke the transfer record again, they brought in a very good player, I'm sure he will be Anthony Gordon, so it's not, I'm not overall criticising the direction or the decisions made, how was Hamlet's been forced, but I will, I'll just put it out to the group, I don't know who wants to, to reply, but I'll come to you Johnny, my question is, did Howe get it wrong today? It's a good question, I think he already answered your question though, I think he was forced. I don't. I don't. But, but but we've missed Longstaff in other games. And we yeah. haven't. This hasn't been the solution that he's had to go for. Joe Linton could have played wide left. Isak could have started, and then Joe Linton might have been able to help far more in midfield. Well, who's who's? So you put Willock, Bruno, and two else. He's probably going to have to do what he did against Liverpool and go at Anderson. Is is that is that a too big of a game for Elliot Anderson? That's that, that's the problem. This is why you're talking about a John Joe Shelby, you know, love or hate, and whatever. However, depending depends if you're not your Forest fan, I suppose. <laughs> but. Um, no, in all seriousness, I, I think I, I would have been absolutely amazed if Eddie Howe didn't start Isaac and Wilson today because of how well they have played together. And I think the fact that they had a week's rest going into this game, you can understand it. In hindsight, it was probably the wrong decision in hindsight, but I, 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 don't, know, I don't know if other Newcastle fans would be lying if they said, oh, I didn't want Isaac and Wilson to play together from the start of the day. I think we were all kind of looking at that team sheet going, yeah, I like what he's done there. But again, that midfield, who like again, there's only Elliot Anderson that you could have really gone, I'm going to put you in there. But he's not had that big game experience. And I think Arsenal at home would have been a gamble. It would have been a gamble, but it would have been ballsy from Eddie Howe. But I just, I don't see it happening. I think he had to, whether or not that midfield was, was right, it could have been tinkered slightly in terms of positioning. But I think, I think that was, I think that had to be the midfield that I had to play today. It didn't work, but it, had, it was no, there was nobody else. And I can understand the argument of maybe putting Anderson in the middle, putting Joe Linton now on the left, because I think Joe Linton is, on occasion against the bigger clubs, is stronger on the left-hand side. I think against the clubs like your Southampton, he's fine in the middle of the pot because it's it's Southampton with the greatest of respect. But how could he have not played Isaac and Wilson today? Wilson's been brilliant. Isaac's been brilliant. Murphy's been on form, but I didn't... I, Bit unlucky not to score, but I was kind of glad when Mickey came on. But again, I, I don't, 
I don't think Eddie Howe could have really changed that dramatically today from the beginning. I think he had to kind of play that. He had to play that midfield. Going forward, the three players that he picked were on form. You, you kind of want your informed players in big games like this, but I think it was difficult for Eddie Howe. I don't think he could have won either way today. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Johnny. I think the, I think it was, uh, I think the word I, I had in my mind was pressure. I think there was pressure on him to play. Um, both of them. Once once Wilson came on against Southampton and scored those two goals, the talk all this week has been about playing them together. He's been pressured into it. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he's made the decision. I've got to be honest. Um, I don't agree. I, I don't. I don't not agree with the fact that they they're starting and actually, in fact, next season. And I've said it before. I, I expect to see that a lot more. But the reasons why I didn't want it to happen is because what we take away is elite quality players coming off the bench and changing the game and giving us something different. And as much as the players, Callum Wilson, for example, he's scoring goals, as much as he's frustrated, Alexander Izak, for me, is our number one striker. And he starts regardless. And he needs to understand that actually Alexander Izak, although, yes, Wilson's coming on and scoring goals, is and can offer so much more as a front-line striker, stroke centre-forward, because he can do everything. Um, and although he did well on the left-hand side, it took away a lot of what we were possibly capable of in the box by having Wilson. I thought that Wilson did okay. He did his job. Wilson's job is to unsettle the two centre-backs, be big and strong, uh, and create a little bit of havoc. And he did that at times. He didn't do anything amazing on the board. He didn't have any chances but he did his job he unsettled the back line but Isaac can do that and a little bit more and and that's why I would have liked him to have started and you imagine when we're pushing the game before the two got the before the second goal goes in and you bring someone like Callum Wilson on it just raises the game for me when Miggy comes on when Gordon comes on it doesn't get the same reaction doesn't get the same effect from the players on the pitch from the fans when Maxa came on it did and to be fair I thought he did well yeah, he did really well uh, he, 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 he came in and, and looked a bit of a menace I would have liked Maxi on the right hand side because we had the beating of Zinchenko time and time again and if we'd have brought Maxi on a little bit earlier and had him go on the right hand side and just go direct take him on get a ball into the box it could have created something personally I didn't think Miggy really did anything um, of any note uh, he, I thought he was quite poor when he came on I thought Murphy did okay to be fair on the right hand side but again it's it's levels it's quality and he just lacks that level of quality against the top top players so I, I, I don't I don't you know I, I feel that he was pressured into it but I, I I personally would have preferred to have seen a Wilson come off the bench and light up the team for the second half I understand what both of you guys are saying, but you get a home game against a team that were were the champions elect until a few weeks ago. Yes, they've bottled it now, and and yeah, they're still in the title race, but they're not going to win the league, are they? Man City going to win a little bit. Um, in a game like that, you want your best level on the pitch, and you're right. Wilson is an excellent impact player, but you cannot tell me that he didn't deserve to start that game after coming off the bench and scoring two goals twice. And Isaac also should be playing, and he's also demonstrated that he can play this on that left-hand side this of the three. Is, this is the thing, so, like, the, the, yeah, I agree. I'm not saying... I don't think it's I'm a mistake. It's, it's, he's saying Callum Wilson up. doesn't deserve to start. I'm saying, oh, we're a good enough team to move our best player out to the left. That's my point. And it, it's a, it's an impossible you, situation. You, and Newcastle could have scored four times today. You yeah. can't, like, Callum Wilson didn't, didn't have a chance, but Newcastle could have scored four times. Mm -hmm. Like Pete said, Alexander Isak's probably Newcastle's best player from the left. 
but he's so good. I just feel if you're not going to play a front two, and I agree with Pete about the you take away the option to change the game, I just think if Eddie Howe had his time again, he might not do it. And that's fine. That's not a criticism. It's just football. He wouldn't have done it if Longstaff was available. He 100% would have done it. Longstaff would have played, and then it would have been Joe Lytton and Willick on the left. That, that's the way it would have played, and he would have stayed with Murphy on the right. The only argument you could make is whether Murphy was the right complement to those two as a, as a front three, because I thought I thought the only thing I, I would say from today's game is that there were a few players in our team that um, don't look at the level that needs to be to, to play that game, and I would include Murphy in that, I would include... Uh, we can come back, come back to the full-back situation, but I would include Dan Byrne and Matty Target in that. We need a proper left-back. But yeah, I, I just think that if you're playing Arsenal and they're, they're, they're team above us in the league, you, you get your best players in the pitch. And I think Willick and, uh, sorry, Wilson and Isaac were the right decision. I'd, I I just, uh, you wouldn't have done it if Longstaff was there, but I, both could play really well. And, and both, Isaac definitely should have scored and both were involved in, in, in some great chances for us. I don't think that's why we lost the game today. Honestly, don't. I'll say one other thing. I thought our approach, this is possibly due to uh, issues in other parts of the pitch. Our, I thought our approach with Wilson was a little bit off. I thought mm. when I saw Wilson in the team sheet, it's not just, and it's not like, you know, Newcastle don't play Callum Wilson to win the game. It's not that simple. But when I saw Wilson in the team sheet, I'm thinking, okay, Arsenal have, uh, how has looked at what Haaland did to Arsenal now is Wilson as good as Haaland obviously not but I'm talking about big physical centre forward Arsenal can't deal with them if you think about that Arsenal game De Bruyne played off Haaland it was just route one from Man City they played long balls to, to Haaland who knocked the ball down to De Bruyne who caused chaos I don't think we tried that today and I don't know why we didn't try it, but we didn't go back to front quickly maybe it's because we're good maybe I'm not used to seeing a team that has principles and wants to build these solid foundations and that's a nice thing but I just thought I thought Wilson wasn't in the game that much. I didn't think he, he wasn't. Played, he wasn't. He, he played bad badly. I don't, I don't bad think game. he did. I don't think he did anything badly. But no. I just thought he didn't have the kind. Of, if you're going to play Wilson and Isak, there has to be chaos. There has to be turning defenders back towards their own goal. There's got to be shirt pulls. There's got to be needle. And it was just all in front of Arsenal for most yeah. of the game. No, what you said before, I, I was talking about the selection and whether that was the right thing. I don't think Eddie Howe's made a mistake. I think Wilson's had a bad game. I agree. I think I think everything passed him by today. I thought Gabriel kind of had him in his pocket and I thought they they dealt with him really easily. And I thought the decision to move Isaac into the middle eventually and, and to bring on Gordon and Miggy eventually was the, was the right move to try and make something happen. But... I, I'm where not blaming was, it. Where was Gordon playing, by the way? I don't know. Came <laughs> At that point, we're, we're chasing the game. I know we what you mean. Left, we had two left. Yeah. I just, I'm not, I'm not critical of Eddie Howe for the, the, the pre-match decision. I, I do think that Wilson, maybe he could have come off earlier. I think he was really yeah. struggling again in the game. But yeah, I, I wasn't critical of that pre-match. Yeah, I, I'll just add, add to that. This is the point that, that I'm making with regards to Wilson coming on as a sub. For all the points that you, you made, Alex, is that you want you want carnage, you want chaos um, created when those two are on the pitch together. You only really get that later on in the game where players mm -hmm. are tired, where tactically the game's changed for both teams and it opens up and it's different. You, to start them... To start those guys, you've got a set tactic, you've got a set way of playing. Arsenal are very rigid in their structure. Newcastle are very rigid in their structure. It's not the time to play Callum Wilson. And yeah, you know, I, I thought he did okay in his role because his role is to disrupt the, the centre-backs. But what you get with a striker like that is that he doesn't really deviate from the middle of the pitch. He's easily marked. And he's not trying to 
a pull players out of position, which is what Izak does. Izak pulls defenders all over the place. You watch in the first half, the amount of times that Sven Botman, not not down to his own performance, but was pulled out wide left yeah. and it left gaping holes in the middle, which then Saka then exploited. We do that when Izak's on the pitch and it creates opportunities for other players to win into positions. We didn't have that today because you've got Willip, I'm sorry, Wilson set as a striker and then you've got other players that have to play around him and it just creates a huge chunk of pile of players in the box where you're not going to get chances, which is why they got to block chances and they got to stop the ball from going in in the first half because it, no player was pulled out of position at any point in that game, um, apart from really Zinchenko and... and when we brought the players on that could really go, go at him and make a difference, they did the smart move by bringing Tierney on, who is very defensive-minded, and they made the right decisions at the right time. I take everybody's point about Callum Wilson. However, it, it, Alex, I think, has mentioned about the, the long ball. That's just not the Eddie Howe way. Mm. It's not mm. the Eddie Howe way. You know, it was the Steve Bruce way. <laughs> it was other managers' way. It's not the Eddie Howe way. And the Eddie Howe way has worked very, very well this season. That's why we're third in the Premier League as we record. And I think West Ham are still winning, so I'm buzzing with that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you irons. Is it, is it, well, well, I hope, I half hope time. it's half time. We'll take that half time anyway. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I, I thought Callum Wilson was okay today. Callum Wilson could have a quiet game and score two goals. Yeah. which you could kind of almost say that's what he did against Everton to an extent. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the benefit of Callum Wilson. Um, Isak is better in the middle. We need Isak in the middle of the park. However, if Isak's on the left against Leeds and Wilson's in the middle, I'm not going to grumble at that. Mm-hmm. But that's because it's the level of the opposition. Um, I th- the only one thing I would mention that I know Zinchenko, we had the better of him at times, but I thought that one, there was one thing that Newcastle couldn't really deal with, and that's the inverted wing-backs and the fact that Zinchenko's kind of playing almost like an set, extra centre midfielder at times. And I just felt that we were outnumbered. And mm. Arsenal very, very good on the ball. There was so many times in the, uh, in the first half where they were just making passes and just finding extra bits of, sp- bits of space. And you could see Xhaka and Erdogan just picking the ball up. And I remember Trippier was looking going, well, if I, come, if I come and block that side bit, there was still that extra man there. And we just struggled Really, the struggle and, and, and you know what? You're spot on. And this is this is. I'm trying to analyse this game so soon afterwards. This is part of the the the, the issue we enjoy doing. I know people are enjoying listening, but sometimes it just comes down to the first goal. 100%. Everything yeah. you talk about there happened after the first goal. Mm-hmm. Arsenal get that first goal, and they, they 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 were great before the first goal. They were all over the shot. We battered they could, them. We battered they them. couldn't yeah. handle us. They they couldn't they couldn't pass. They couldn't get out. They were slicing balls out of play. They were having a bit of a go at each other. In that first goal, that goal actually reminds me of, not trying to bring everyone down, it reminds me of Sessegnon in the derby in 2013 oh, <laughs> or something like that, uh, the, a couple of days after Benfica at home when there was you know, there was no danger and, and Newcastle don't close them down enough. And this is, we're talking about Wilson, Isaac, midfield. It's simply sometimes against good teams, you've got to get the first goal mm. and we didn't. Yeah. I, I, I'll take it back. I don't even think it's the first goal today. I think it's the penalty. I think yeah. any any I, issues, by the way, from anyone? Any complaints? No. About the penalty. I, I, I the only the only the one thing I will say about the penalty is it a blatant and obvious error. <laughs> Great. No, this is it. If that gets given against you, you're foaming. Yeah. You are foaming. But VAR is not supposed to re-referee games. Hundred percent. And it hits his arm. I don't care where it hits first. It it hits his arm, and the ball is, it might be going in. It's, it's heading towards the goal. It hits his arm. I understand why it was overturned, but I think once again, it's this lack of joined up thinking from the people 
at Stocksley Park, however, um, I think Newcastle will feel feel aggrieved that it was not that it was incorrectly given, but it was incorrectly overturned. Hundred percent. And the one thing I will say is is that, and I, I don't want to talk about cricket too much, but the, it's very <laughs> it's very good how they do it in cricket. Umpires call if they can't if it, if there's the, like a level where you can't decide whether it's the right or the wrong decision, whatever the referee decides with the umpire, well, go It's with supposed that. to be like that, isn't it? That is what they're supposed to do. But Right, we're going to leave it there for part two because we've gone on for a little bit. We're going to be back after these adverts to finish off the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Before the let we talk about context, sign Champions League and league position, you want to moan about the ref some more. <laughs> well, listen, Anthony Taylor, right? Uh, who's the referee of that game? Quite appallingly today. Yeah, wasn't nah, that Taylor? Was no. Kevin, was it Anthony Kavanaugh? Taylor was right, no, he's miles offside. He's got this bloke had hair. Oh. <laughs> Chris Cavanaugh, yeah, refereed the League Cup final. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and the Brentford away my, game. My point's slightly uh, muted by that, but yeah, <laughs> I just thought, um, I just thought that. What you're saying is right. If you if you go to umpire's call, it probably is the, the right way to go. But then the ref just bottle making decisions anyway. So not Anthony Taylor apparently makes that call and probably doesn't give the pen because he's too worried about being overturned and then it doesn't make like it won't make a difference. But yeah, I just thought um, you know the best ref in the league, by the way, Michael Oliver. We we don't get him, so we we get the best of the rest, and 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 they seem to be really struggling. But I just thought today. Um, it got quite physical again. I thought Newcastle, as soon as we were behind, um, Arsenal were getting away with a lot of fouls. It's 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 a it's a credit to us and a compliment to us that they want to time waste so much from about fifty minutes in. As soon as they took the lead, they were they were rolling on the floor, they were they were running on the clock. Ramsdale did his job perfectly, you know. Every time he had a goal kick, he was moving it to the other side. He was like, Oh, where what is it a goal kick? Is it a throw? You know, being a dick, but doing it the right way. But the refs the refs just let let them get away with it. No yellow cards issued, no nothing. And um, yeah, we mentioned before, Dan Burns, the only one who gets the yellow card out of this game. Like, at some point, we need a bit of help because we're one of those elite and we feel like those elite teams get protected so much. And we're, we're, the, we're the, 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 the black sheep, for one of a better word, you know, we're the outcasts, we're the ones that they just seem to not want to let into that, 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 elite, that group who they gave nice decisions to in those situations. So I'm, I'm still aggrieved with the referee. The referee's not the reason we lost that game, but it's probably the reason it got away from us from 1-0 up. So much time was wasted. So many decisions went against us when we were trying to get a bit of impetus in the game that it just it just killed us. Well, the, it killed our momentum over and over the, again. The end of the first half is the perfect example where I think they announced five minutes at a time, but it, it felt like it was going to be like an 11, 12-minute half because Arsenal were wasting so much time. And I want to be clear about this. Newcastle United do what they have to do because they don't have 
better players than the opposition. Newcastle have played Arsenal today. Newcastle are a very good team. Arsenal looking through our starting eleven, thinking, oh, I'd have him, I'd have him, I'd have him. We are still operating with a far reduced wage budget to these teams, with a far inferior squad to these teams. So Newcastle have to do what they have to do to try and claw some parity. I thought for Arsenal to do what they did today, Arsenal are entitled to do whatever they want to get the result they need. No issues. But let's take it back to the behaviour of Mikel Arteta and Arsenal Football Club back in January. They couldn't have been more indignant. They couldn't have been more clear that this is not how the game should be played. But what the fuck was that today? You can't have it both ways. And when when they write the story of this season, they look at what Newcastle did to Arsenal in January and they look at how Arsenal essentially collapsed from that point. Yeah, collapse isn't a bit of an exaggeration, but it's my podcast. I'll say what I want. Ultimately... (laughs) I'm fine with Arsenal today. It doesn't bother me. Yes, I'm I'm part of that crowd. I'm part of the frustration. But what you actually saw at full time is the stadium singing. There's the crowd are still behind the fans. The, everyone believes in the project still. Newcastle have had a blip today. That's all it is. Are Arsenal going to be second in the league next season? I'm not so sure. No. And, and Arsenal going down to that level today, whilst, yes, it's, it's necessary to get the result, I thought they lost a little bit of themselves within that because you can't have it both ways. You can't be as indignant as they were back in January and then do the same thing today and pat yourself on the back thinking, oh, well, they did it to us. Mm. No, no, no. We have to do it. We have to do it because Dan Byrne plays for us. Love him to bits. Dan Byrne isn't getting a game for Arsenal. He's not getting an Arsenal's bench. Sean Longstaff's not getting a game for Arsenal. There are a lot, Joe Willock doesn't get a, Joe, Joe Willock doesn't get a game for Arsenal. They, they decided he wasn't good enough at age 21. So, fine Arsenal, but I thought they let themselves down today in that respect, as well as they played. And Si, your point about the referee, I thought a big issue today is he kept, halfway through the first half, it became clear he wasn't going to get his cards out. And that was yeah. a big issue for us. And a point in the second half, Joe Willock does Saka for pace. Saka slides, doesn't get any of the ball, slides and down. When that's not a yellow card, it is carte blanche. Any time Newcastle are going to get wrong side of Arsenal, Arsenal have got three fouls and, and it kills us. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. But Si mentioned Michael Oliver's the best referee in the Premier League. It's just a shame he's a Newcastle United fan because yeah. when you have the best of the rest, they aren't the best. And this is the problem that the standard, of, I don't want us to make this a podcast on refereeing, but the standard of refereeing in the Premier League this season has been absolutely atrocious. The VAR is not operated perfectly. It needs to be, it doesn't have to be referees operating VAR. It just needs to be people that understand how VAR works and how to operate it. But it's been jobs for the boys for years. But <laughs> just going back, just going back for the, 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 the referee today, I don't think the referee was strong enough to go early on to Ramsdale, yellow card, 25 yeah. minutes in, 30 minutes in yeah. and go, yeah. Right, what are you going to do now? Or if uh, Jesus is on the floor, Gabriel's on the floor, Jacques is on the floor every five minutes, get up. I'm going to play on if you don't. Not not that he's going to do that, but just to kind of put a little stat, put a, put a statement out there. But we've, we have done that this season. We've done that. We've, be, we've been guilty of that this season. Like I haven't been Nick Pope going down for 25 minutes. I haven't touched the ball, but we needed something to kill the game and needed a five-minute breather. So how could get these instructions down? I, I get it. I understand how it works. But you're quite right, Alex. Arsenal football can't have for Arsenal football club can't have it both ways. They've got if, they, if they're going to do if they're going to do that, then fair enough. But you're going to get criticism if someone else does it because it, it will bite them on the backside. But the only petty thing I'll say about Arsenal is that we're going to win the same amount of trophies as them this season. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I would just add for the referee. Um, I agree. I thought the referee was shocking, um, but I think he realised he knew he was having a bad game and couldn't pull it back in. Um, and sometimes that happens with refs. When they've made bad decisions for certain calls, they can't then put it back in because it makes them look even worse. If they then start changing yeah. their 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 mindset, if they start changing their decisions based on doing the right thing, so they have to keep 
not doing the right thing, if, if that even makes sense. But it, it does in my mind because if it, some of the decisions he made with some of the free kicks were so poor. You could see uh, when there, there was a little bit of a, uh, of a break, I think Shaka was down for like the sixth or seventh time in the first half. Um, you see the referee was kind of like just going, walking around, just kind of like shaking his head. And it was almost like he, he realised that he'd made mistakes, that he realised that he'd messed up. But... As I said before, when you have made those decisions, you can you can't then start making the right decisions because it makes you look worse. And it just went from bad to worse to worse to dreadful uh, very very quickly. And um, look, this is why we've started pulling in referees from other countries because the referees in this country are not good enough. Uh, the standard has massively dropped, and um, ultimately, uh, VAR is not good enough either because. Um, the decisions are made, in my opinion, based on a game-to-game basis. Mm. I always feel it is based on how big the game is, based on the team, based on a number of different um, um, different issues. And uh, I don't agree with it. And you had seen Anthony, he was the fourth official today, Anthony. Was he? So he was at Liverpool yesterday. <laughs> yeah. he's, oh, well, what a busy 24 hours for that man. <laughs> Let's talk about context then. Uh, Newcastle find themselves three points clear of Liverpool with a game in hand. Uh, Man United are currently losing, but you know you you'll know the score <laughs> when you listen to this. That game will be over. And is anyone at all any more worried after today about Newcastle's Champions League chances? No, I, I said before the game, um, when when I was talking to you, Alex, I, I would take a point from this. It's it's a I hate the term free pass, but it was a, a free pass, a free hit in in some regards. You know we. we We've done the business. We've got the the twenty four points on the board out of twenty seven from the last nine games. Like we were allowed this, we were allowed it. We had the the, the space in the in the schedule for this. Um, we need six to seven points to see off the the only real threat to our Champions League football now, which is Liverpool. I think we should and, and deservedly should finish third. Uh, and and you know losing this game makes that more difficult, but it gives us something to fight for as well. But yeah, I think from the last set of fixtures that we had f- facing Arsenal, who still have the title to challenge for, you know, you could argue they've bottled it. Man City might win all their games and it, this game was redundant to them. But at the time of playing it, it was a big game for Arsenal and less of a big game for us. They needed that more than we did. We've got plenty more games to get the last six to seven points we need. So yeah, I don't think we need to worry too much. I, and I also don't think the performance was alarming in any mm. way. As I've said all show, you know, we, we played well enough to beat Arsenal uh, or to get to give ourselves a, a chance against Arsenal. That kind of performance will beat Leicester. It will beat Brighton. It will beat Leeds. So I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I think I'll, the only difference is, I think the reason why we're, maybe there'll be some fans that'll be slightly panicking is because Liverpool played three games after we played Southampton last week. Obviously, they beat Spurs. How? I'll never know at the end. <laughs> and But they've only just come away with two 1-0 wins against Fulham and Brentford. So they're not battering teams, but they're getting wins and they're just finding a way of winning. I think the next two games are very difficult for Liverpool. Leicester away is tough on a Monday night. Villa at home, Villa being sensational. That's not a, a definite six points, and it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool dropped points. However, it again wouldn't surprise me if they won both of those games going into the final day of the season. I take size points that I'm not worried, and it probably was a free hit today. I'd be more worried if we don't beat Leeds next week. Mm. And that's when you go, what's it, squeaky bum time? That that would be when... I'll be worrying if we don't beat Leeds next week because I think we can go if we go to Leeds next week and psychologically, psychologically we'll go oh, 68 points getting we can just kind of relax a little bit now we've got that six point cushion over Liverpool we don't know what the Man United's full time score is going to be but regardless 
it's still in our own hands. It's always going to be in our own hands unless we lose the next two two games or three games. It's it's going to be very very difficult for 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 not being in Newcastle's hands. But I think we will always be that little bit nervous, whether we admit it or not, because we've not been in this position for such a long time. Yeah, I think we just need another win. I think if we were to get another win, sixty eight points you'd think Newcastle can get one win from the last three games if we beat Leeds. I think if we can, if we come out of Ellen Road next week, winning the game, I, not that it would be done, but it'd be, I think it'd be 99% done if we win next week. It, nothing's changed for me. Um, two wins, that's what we need. Uh, ultimately, seven points will we'll secure it outright, but for me, six points takes us on to 71 points. We've got a better goal difference. I don't see Liverpool winning every single one of their games between now and then the season. That's just my personal opinion. Um, it would have been nice to have won today to be able to go to Leeds and almost wrap it up at Leeds. But we go and beat Leeds. What we do then is have a monumental uh, atmosphere at home to Brighton on a Thursday to bring it home. Bring that second win take us to 71 points, then it's about, okay, Liverpool, you have to win every game. The pressure cranks up on them even more so. And I genuinely believe that the conversation after next Saturday will not necessarily be about Newcastle. Um, if Man United lose to, tonight, it'll be about, can they get over the line? Can Liverpool catch them? And that's what we want. We want them having the conversation about Man United and Liverpool, not us. Um, so, We've made it a little bit more difficult for ourselves, but am I worried? Not at all. And I genuinely believe that we'll go to Leeds and win. Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced Newcastle. Newcastle are the third best team in the country for me. I think we're, we're some way off Man City and Arsenal. You saw the reasons why today. They were not a million miles away from either. Uh, and particularly, you'll see us strengthen perhaps more than them in the summer. But, but for this season, Newcastle are the third best team in the country. Newcastle caused... Arsenal way more problems today than Liverpool did when they drew 2-2 with them uh, back in Anfield. And, you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head with, with the opening comments, Johnny. Newcastle have to thrive on the pressure, as Kevin Trippier says. Uh, pressure is a privilege. And they have to go to Leeds and they have to do to Leeds what we've done to all of the other shit teams we've played recently that scored a fuckload of goals against them. Uh, West Ham and Everton in particular spring to mind. And like you say, it, it it's all about doing the business when it matters. Newcastle have had... A couple of ropey spells this season, which, which did not include many defeats. They've had superb form recently. We've now lost a game that we, on, a, on another day, might not have lost, but we haven't performed at our best. We need to do what we did against Spurs, against Leeds, which is just put it out of our mind. Bad day at the office in some respects. Let's go and do what we need to do against Leeds. And like you say, yeah. Leeds, Brighton at home, Leicester at home, Chelsea, Newcastle are better than all of those teams it does not compute that Newcastle won't get two wins out of those those four games for me based on ability as much as anything. And that's before you get into the mentality, the fitness, the quality that we possess that these teams don't. We're going to leave it there for today. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to speak to you three about this game. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back uh, next Sunday, the day after the Leeds fixture. Uh, me and Ben are there for for true faith uh we're on patreon three to eight pounds a week come and join us this week as we'll build up to that one hopefully we'll have craig hope on as well this week to talk about newcastle united recently so thanks to you guys thanks everyone for listening speak to you all very soon Bye bye